Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 186. I am joined by my co-host. Uh, and just so that people know, we're recording this on Tuesday during the first playing game. So uh, if you are wondering why we don't reference whatever the fuck happens in the rest of the playing games, that's why. Uh, but as always, I am joined by my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente. Prez, how are you doing? Good. Just, you know, caught the first quarter of the playing game and thinking fondly about the times where I was on an unnamed podcast being forced against my will to debate RJ Barrett versus Isaac Okoro. But I'm going to leave that in the past. I just wanted to put that out there into the internet. I actually hate the fucking Cavs now because they randomly decided to become the motherfucking, like, fucking peak warriors against us twice this year at MSG where they just couldn't miss threes. Um, I guess the second time, the second time was when I was having my like Twitter meltdown about anybody who thought Tibbs deserved life. Um, But um, scumbag gate. Yeah. Scumbag gate. Uh, (laughs) Scumbag piece of shit gate. Uh, But like, I fuck them. I fucking hate them. And watching Okoro, like they're not even defending this guy. They're literally not defending him. Like they, he got two fucking wide open threes in the corner in the first quarter, and they did not even bother rotating. They were just like, okay, cool. But it's funny because like the Cavs basically did the same thing to Kessler Edwards, who apparently was like the savior of the Nets this year or something. I don't know. Um, you know, it's just funny to see how that like it is. It's always funny to see how different playoff ball always is than than regular season ball. But um, before we get started. I do have to mention, this Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod every week on Friday with me and Prez. It also gets you access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord where we talk about the Knicks all the time. Uh, and there's a number of different channels. There's a draft channel where Prez uh, preaches his sermon to his minions. Um but there's it's further tiers. a cult. Yeah, it is a cult. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a nine dollar tier that gets you access to weekly articles by Matthew Miranda and Jack Huntley, two of the best Knicks, dare I say, basketball writers, dare I say, anything writers in the business. Uh, there's also the perk of getting access to my solo pod, uh, Strick and Roll, where you can listen to me yell even more about the Knicks. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a fifteen dollar tier, thirty dollar tier, fifty dollar tier, and a hundred dollar tier. Those get you access to a variety of further benefits, such as merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings, live watch parties, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast with yours truly. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Your support is appreciated. And without further ado, let's get started. Um, the next season is over. Thank fucking God. Um, I'm very pumped to only talk about them in like very theoretical nebulous terms for the next 
two months, right? The draft's in like two months. So for two months, we just get to talk about them only in theory. Like no reaction to what they're actually doing, which means I'm allowed to like only build out the best fantasies of what I want them to do. So for the next two months, this is where I get to like believe that DeAndre Ayton is right around the corner and we're going to get him for our lottery pick and Mitchell Robinson in a sign and trade. Um, it's a great world. I welcome everybody to join it. Um, but before we enter fantasy world, we're going to look at what just transpired. Um, I, I don't know. I, we can start with, uh, look, let's let's just start with Julius Randle. I know we were going to start with a lot of the Knicks young guys, but we need to start with Julius Randle. And we need, we need to just get him and the tip shit out of the way because it's inevitable that we have to talk about these idiots. Um, because we do. Like, we do. We just have to talk about him. So, I guess, let's just start with Julius. Um, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I did a Strick and Roll with Alex yesterday, and it dropped today. And we were discussing, you know, MVP and LVP of the team. And I thought, like, he made a very good case for Tibbs. But I was very... I And I understand all of it, and I've been as critical of Tibbs as anybody... I just don't see how it can't be Julius. Like, it or has LVP? to be the, yeah, least valuable person or player, however the fuck you want to put it. I just think, like, as shitty as Tibbs was this year, there's still, like, certain things I can point to and be like, okay, I like that, I like this, this was cool, whatever. With Julius, like, yeah, there were games that were awesome, but, like, everything from the first game to the last game he played, it was just, like, Awful process, awful energy, awful leadership, awful attempts at being a good teammate, just being a raging asshole constantly. Like I just I just think he nuked the team in so many ways. And like we can sit here and say, you know, Tibbs fucked up so many things, as we have. But like I just think the player, the best player on a team, the guy who was supposed to be the best player on the team had everything built around him to a certain extent, collapsing in every possible way the way he did. I mean, you know, even if Tibbs did the things we wanted him to do, what do we think the upside of this team was? Like, 42 and 40? You know, like, I think we were realistic. We are talking about, like, they'd have been fighting for a playing game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I just think if Julius, like, in spite of Tibbs' bullshit, if Julius was just Julius, like if he was Julius we saw last year, even if he was 85% of that guy, I just feel like the entire season is so different. Yeah, and, yeah, completely. And I just I just can't get over that. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that and just kind of what you think about him versus Tibbs. Or- yeah, I for me, it's less about like the nature of his annoyance and more just about like Tibbs impacted this team negatively about as much as you could do it without being a true tire fire of a coach, like, like real fucking tire fire. And that's damage, but it's a different genre of damage completely than what a player who gets a large amount of the offense can inflict for better or for worse, because that's just the way basketball works. Like, you know, we've talked about it here. The best and worst coaches might cost you five games in one direction or the other direction. The, you know, the, the great coaches separate themselves 
to me, like less in the regular season and more in the playoffs when you're talking like minute adjustments in the regular season, like, yeah, it, it counts. It counts for games, and I don't doubt that Tibbs cost us games, but nowhere near as much as as Julius Randle. Because, like you said, like if you had to put his season on a scale of what percentile season was this, considering we knew some regression would happen. I think this is like the worst season of his career since his first full season. Yeah, I mean, one thing people like yes, twenty ten five, whatever. But like, yeah, talking to you, Stephen Bondi. Not that he listens because he probably. Did he say that? He said in Twitter he was like the best. He was like the best. He was like twenty ten and five. Julius Randle is better than anything the Knicks would replace that with, and Mm, it's he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't know statistics like we. I won't get into it. Shout out Stephen Bondi for like very explicitly proving that he doesn't understand like the most basic statistics, you know, or ball really. But you know, whatever. Enjoy your job. Um, Hope the daily news or whatever treats you well. Um, or just contracts. Or contracts. I mean, you know, print media, <laughs> print media all that, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, so like, yeah, whatever. There's the 50th percentile, there's the 25th percentile outcome. It's just so damaging when a player takes a high volume of shots and they're not good ones. And it's not on the, and it's not on an, upward developmental trajectory like rj takes a ton of took a ton of shots often not good ones but it was an upward developmental trajectory so it's excusable with julius it's not like yes he's young but like it's you know he's not a kid he's an all nba he was in the all nba most improved player and all that shit so like if you have somebody take if you're the least efficient high volume player in the league you're going to damage your team more than some bad players. Like we've seen this shit with Russ Westbrook and Julius is not that far off from that in a lot of ways. Uh, it's just the nature of the game. Like you're, you're, you have portions of your offense and the more of that, the more portions of your offense you can dedicate to efficiency, the better your offense is. And there's always going to be value in guys who are high volume okay efficiency like Carmelo we saw that for all those years right like it makes it easier for the Tyson Chandlers of the world to do their thing but if you're high volume below average in efficiency then you're not floating your teammates you're sinking your teammates you're not improving the game you're not making the game easier for them you're not making your offense more efficient and it it was just I was just really sad more than anything for me and and I've talked about this on here but like I really do think it was um a like a crisis of confidence that just completely snowballed out of control, completely snowballed out of control from the get go, and it it's it just very painful to see. And I don't think he's going to be back just because there's no coming back from that. I don't think this guy it, it, was on some Chuck Chuck Knobloch shit. Yeah, it's is and and it's not an unsolvable thing. It's just an unsolvable thing here. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has the 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 quote unquote regression year that we expected somewhere else, and that would be fucking awesome for him and whoever gets him because they'll probably get it at value. You know, considering not that his cost is like in the stinker or anything, but it's not like it was last year or some shit. So anyway, like it's. It, it, it's not a question to me. Like as annoying as Tibbs was, a, a player who has that much of your offense in their hands and just pisses it away 
without even getting into his defense, which was absolutely god fucking awful. And you know the the teammate shit. Like, yeah, I'm sure all his teammates love him, big bro, blah blah blah. All that they, shit. They like but him like, off the. I don't think they have a problem with him off the court. That's not the problem. The problem yeah. is like. Like you can like somebody off the court. This was my only. Yeah, this is my thing I've with Melo too. Many people like that. I've, yeah, Melo as well. Great example. Yeah, this was always my thing with Melo, where people are like, "Well, teammates only say good things about him." What the fuck are they going to do? They're going to say they're going to come out and say they fucking hate the guy. Like, yeah. no, they this like. This isn't him. Kobe Shack. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they like him. He's a cool guy. Whatever. You're just that's not the same thing. Like, it's just you know, and you know, especially with the guys we have. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not expecting like. RJ or yeah, Obi and Quick are just gonna come out and like, you know what I mean? Like, are we kidding me? Like, come on, like, like Julius, that dude. Yeah, Quick, He's, Quick is too not busy gonna making, fucking like, flip the apple cart and shit on him. Yeah, and like Quick's too busy making like TikToks and doing like you know fucking praising Jesus or something. You know, these like, guys are the happiest motherfuckers in the tri-state area. <laughs> I have no doubt of that. Like every interview with them, I just it just makes me like. I feel like I gain like six months of my lifespan. Like I just get so much <laughs> optimism and light and energy and all that, sh- all that like hippy dippy shit that I don't even believe in. I and believe then, in when I'm listening watch, to them. And then you watch a Tibbs press conference and it all goes away. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like I just, you know, whatever has gone on with him, you know, I don't even want to theorize about it anymore because it's just really depressing. Yeah. Um, I, I just really hope they like part ways. Um, and I, yeah, and I don't care. Like, I don't care if he goes somewhere else and kills it. Because I hope he goes somewhere and fucking kills it. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, like it is what it is, you know. Like the Knicks have to make some decisions here that that need to be about what, like they, like you drafted Ob eighth overall, you know. Like that's the reality of the situation here. So at some point, and we knew this point was coming. This is the other thing we always knew, unless Tibbs like decided he was going to try Randall and Obi together, which was very, very unlikely to happen. And they were amazing together, you know, as like a good enough to be like a starting front court, which was another unlikely scenario. We knew this day was coming. Like we knew this always. Yeah, the, it was a at, complete, complete outlier scenario, which is what delayed it, which was Julius's season. And again, if he goes somewhere else and kills it, not as much as last year, but still kills it like great. But like, it is what it is. Like, you're you're right. Like even with if Julius maintained his his fucking New York Kawhi imitation, we were still gonna have to decide some shit with Obi because and and I think Obi and, and Julius know, was a good curveball, but you can never make that your fastball. And I think another thing to consider, which is like you know, it's it's is I don't know. Like this was actually, and Stacy deserves a lot of credit for this. Like even last year when Julius was doing his, you know, New York Kawhi thing, he was always like, I don't think he can scale. Like, like, I don't think he can, he can scale, scale his down. Years. Yeah. Like, I don't think he can scale. That down. was a big open question for yeah. sure. Because like, even though he's shooting well, it's not just shooting, right? It's like how you get to your shots and all of that shit. It's a different and, place though. Yeah. And I think without, if he had played at the same level, like the, his output would have been great. The offensive output, just because we added more talent and RJ got better and quickly got better and like whatever, that probably is a little bit better than it is now. But fundamentally, I don't, I almost feel like it's a good thing in a way that he shot the way he did because it really like made it clear that this play style 
is only sustainable when he's shooting in this crazy way. And even then, we saw the limitations of that play style last year, right? Like we saw that in the playoffs and his decision-making process and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, everybody's conclusion was like, wow, this Julius Randle's still fucking awesome, but he will be most awesome as a number two with somebody or a three or whatever. And, you know, like, you, like yes, shooting is a big part of playing off of another star. But yeah, it's also... It, it, this is what make this would make this is what makes Julius's situation so unique to me is we've really never seen anything like it because he played the majority of his career doing big man stuff and literally as a center in New Orleans most of the time and then Fizz turned him into a weird wing and then Tibbs turned him into a good wing I mean Julius turned himself into a good wing and then now it's like okay we're gonna that's why I one one. One kind of pet peeve of mine throughout the season was like, well, if we just got to get him to screen and roll hard to the hoop more and get downhill and just quick decisions and all of that. Because to me, I'm like, that's not that's not a way he you can't tell somebody to play a different fucking position entirely that they've never that's you know how hard that is. Like, yeah, they're all basketball players. And like Julius did increase his screening and his rolling a shit ton this season from last season, if you. I haven't looked at the play type data, but I bet that it's it's up at least five percent, which is a lot. And you see it in his percentage of shots uh, zero to three feet, which went up a lot. Um, but like, you can't tell a center who just learned how to play wing to become a center, but a different kind of center, not just a dunker and runner center, but also like a stretch center, which is what people are basically asking him to do: is like take quick threes, but also screen and roll and go to the hoop hard and then keep the ball moving like he's fucking Miles Turner or something like that's you're literally asking him to become a whole new position in the NBA in the hardest league in the world like that's like he could do that for a few games sure but I that was not a sustainable solution and that kind of speaks to what you were saying and what what Stacy was saying I guess which is like he needs some level of shooting to make this play style work and if you can't scale this playstyle down, then you're in a really awkward spot because eventually you do want to get that other star. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it is what it is. Like I, and and I don't want. I'm not even saying this like as if. I don't even say this to, to make it like, not. To like not blame, look like the Knicks signed him to that extension. We can all sit here and say, like, well, they were justified to do it at the time. You get judged on the results. Like, clearly that hasn't panned out. So I'm not even saying it to, like, absolve them of blame. It's more just, like, who cares? At this point, like, it's over. Um, if he bat- Like, what are you holding on to him for? Because if you're holding on to him because you are hoping and praying the all-NBA version comes back, that's such a stupid thing to hope for. Like, we know, we know, we know it's never coming back. That you guy, might get I'm... better. Yeah, you might get better than this year, but that guy's not coming back. And then, like, the other thing is, even if his jumper does come back, he's going to want to be that guy. That's why it's best for him to go to another team that has another guy who's already the fucking man in place. Like, yeah, because he'll that's... have to just accept that. Because he's never going to yeah. sit here and no. accept, like, oh, RJ's becoming the guy. Or, or, or Obi Toppin yeah. sco- scoring right. a zillion fucking points every time he rests or something yeah, on like ninety percent from the field or whatever. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I am sympathetic to Tibbs for a little bit is like, while I don't think it 
absolves him of not playing them together. I do think it's almost somewhat understandable given like that so much of this is probably just about confidence that he didn't want to pull Julius's minutes too much. Um, so I'm like kind of sympathetic to that, but not, not really to be honest, but like, that's why if he goes to another team, I think it will change the perspective for him because that pressure won't be there to like justify the contract and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Leon hinted at it, right? Like he said, like he was never comfortable the entire year. And that was obvious. Like we saw that play out. Like, you know, that he clearly never felt comfortable. I mean, I think it's kind of telling that his best stretch of the season was that West coast stretch when he, he was like eight games away from home, right? Like, it, it's kind of telling that was his best individual performances of the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it is what it is. I think in OB, they at least have a guy worthy of like pivoting to. Um, and also somebody whose play style, I think, is much more collective. Like it, it's it's a much it's more collective scalable. style of play. Yeah, it's scalable and it's a much more collective style of play, right? Like it's very inclusive is probably the best way to put it. Whereas Julius's play is like extremely exclusive. It's like, I only will pass it to Evan when I run DHOs and I will only throw fastballs to the opposite corner at the, whenever I feel like not when it's appropriate, but just whenever I feel like also, I will never be passing the ball to RJ Barrett. Um, whatever, but you know, look, let's just shift to Tibbs real quick. Um, look, we've talked about Tibbs endlessly on his spot. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I think he did an awful job. I think he's very lucky to have continue on the job next year. Um, and while there are some things that I do think he did well, um, like, you know, we've talked about this. I do think that some of the defensive stuff that we saw from him uh, in terms of like trying new things, evolving the scheme a little bit more, being more aggressive, those were good evolutions. Um, and, I will give him the very barest amount of praise for the development of certain players. But like, I, I don't, I, that's about it. Like, and I don't even think development should really be a big check mark in his favor, because if you can't even trust the things that you're developing until all hope is lost in the season, I don't like, what the fuck is the point almost, you know? Um, so I just think he had a terrible season. Um, lucky to have his job. I hope that he does a better job next year. I'm not really optimistic about him adapting in the ways that are kind of necessary. Outside um, of outside of playing lineups that don't suck and staggering players, like is there anything that you would like him to change? Like the biggest change from the past year to this year was him uh, embracing, along with the new players on the roster, a uh, more Moribalish shot profile, with the exception of. Julius, really, and maybe a little bit RJ. Um, what else? What else? What else would you be looking for if if we have to deal with him for another year? Uh, I mean, I would. The one thing I always come back to is when he was kind of forced to just play a young team in Minnesota. Um, and I'm not talking about his first year, but his last year there, after the Butler trade, that team did play pretty fast. They were like 12th, I think, in pace, something like that. And that's it. Like I just play these young guys more like if he wants to really keep his job and he really wants to like take this team somewhere and not just him but the organization as always this falls in the front office too like if we're really trying to build something and develop something and develop genuine a team that has a chance at some point to become a serious like competitive team the only way that's happening is leaning into the young players in this roster 
And that doesn't mean you never play any vets, but it does mean like you have to embrace the youth and you have to embrace all of that. Like what all of that means. Cause it means so many things. Like it, it, it means, it means like, yeah, maybe you don't play Alec Burks if he's still here and you let Cam Reddish fail a few times. You know, it means letting Obi Toppin get a shit pushed in every now and then. Like it, it just, you have to let these guys fail and then grow from it. And you can't be like, as soon as they struggle for five minutes, immediately call a timeout and pull them. And I don't need you to call fucking plays in the sideline. Every, like, I don't need to hear you calling out ISOs for Alec Brooks every time down the floor. I just don't need that. I'm sorry. I really don't. Um, so, like, less... I would say, like, if he's able in some capacity, which is this, like, I, this is why I'm not optimistic about this, because how many years has he been coaching? We've already seen this. But, like, if he can just let go of control a little bit, like, let these guys play off, you know, their instinct and you know, like with a leash way more, you know, like you see that towards the end of the season when like quick and Obi are just playing off each other instinctively and making reads and reacting and play. And it's like when the Knicks play like that, when he let them play like that, when they get out and he's not calling out set plays every fucking time down, they're really good. They get out and they run. They're, they're a much more attractive watch. They play better. They score more efficiently. I think there's a path to them doing that a little bit more. And it weirdly comes from, you know, my biggest thing with Tibbs is always he sucks at player evaluation. But say his point guard next year is quickly or say, you know, we know the front office wants uh, another point guard, or at least they did for the majority of the season. So let's say that we have a, a backcourt of X and like X is the starting point guard and quickly is the other point guard. And it could be Brunson or Brogdon or whoever the fuck you want. I think it like him getting somebody who he views as the alternating capital letters, lowercase letters, real point guard. <laughs> yeah, I think that allows him to let go. And I think that's kind of what we began seeing with quickly a little bit. Like he did his fair share of barking in the last two weeks, but you know, because he knows that quickly is going to do hit aheads. Quickly is going to do some two man game shit. Quickly is going to probe. He almost has to let go a little bit just by default, even if, even if it's a little bit. And if you have 48 minutes of that from quickly and Brunson or quickly and whoever, then you're going to, you're going to get a little bit more space for the guys to read and react, I think. And, um, the instance in which that wouldn't happen is if they whiff on some point guards and end up, it ends up being quickly starting and Burks off the benches of the backup point guard or quickly starting and Deuce or Rokas or something like that. Cause he won't give that deference to the young guys. And with Burks, he trusts Burks, but he doesn't trust Burks to improvise. Right, he still makes all those calls, and he 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 trusts Brooks to improvise once he calls an ISO for him. That don't count. I mean, like improvise <laughs> for the team. Brooks loves improvising for himself, and he's quite good at it, actually. But like, yeah, no, I agree. So it'll. I that's one. That's one fork in the road that I think will stem from uh from what the front office does regarding point guards, um, because that that is a really good point. Like, if 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 you want him to let go, then the the next question is. Can the front office do anything to make him let go? Obviously, getting rid of the players who he 
relies on is one way to do that, but also acquiring players who fit a more improvisational play style who he could also rely on is another way to do that. So if I was like Leon Rose and I was looking to thread the needle between Tibbs, Brock West, all these dudes, that would be my move. Like, hey, we're going to get you your point guard. And quickly is going to be your other point guard. But you got to let them point guard. And that's a pretty, you know, that's different from being like, hey, go against your ethos and play Obi and Julius together. Like this is asking Tibbs that would be pretty much within the way he thinks already. So if I'm Leon, that's 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 where my head's at. Like I, I know, you know, we can get into the discussion of is it real? Like you have quickly, he's a fucking baller. Should you really give him another year backing up? Even though you can play him, the good thing about quickly is you can play him with guys. But like, you know, no. It's... But you know what? That you know, I don't. Let's just say, if they believe in quickly, then believe believe in him. I don't want to hear this fucking. I'm not. I'm, I know you're not. Yeah, yeah. doing this. But I don't want to hear this fucking he can play with another point guard thing. Get the fuck out of here with that. Like, that is the stupidest fucking justification. And you already have your backup point guard. You have it's, Rose. And, and it's just stupid. It's bullshit. It's like, it's like you're just being a fucking coward because you don't want to... Like, if you don't think quickly can be a starting point guard, then just fucking say it. Like, just fucking say it and move on. I don't want to hear about... Let's sign Jalen Brunson. Let's get Colin Sexton. Let's get one of these fucking guys. And then part of the justification is like, well, quickly can play with him. Like, get the fuck out of here. Just say what it means. Okay? Just say what it means. Because that's what it means. What it means is you don't think quickly can be a starting point guard. And that's fine. To be completely honest with you, I'll, I'll be all, all cards on the table. They would, never, think- they would never do it, but I do think a starting lineup of Brunson or Brogdon and quickly at the two is the best possible lineup we could field. It is, but I don't want that. I think that's bullshit. I think it's like, it is, It is again, choosing a shortcut to yep. be a better team tomorrow to, today than it is to maximize your chances of being the best possible team you could be tomorrow. Because to me, the version of this team that could be really good, that could be really, really good, depends on this front office and this organization finally giving these kids the primary opportunities that they deserve. That's what it requires. And that means you need to be okay with them potentially sucking ass. I don't think they will, for the record. Like, I don't understand this idea that if we play quickly a point guard and start him there, he's just going to turn into a pumpkin. Because that just hasn't been the case with him at any no, point he'd in be, his career. He'd be like, totally it, fine. One thing, one thing I will, I that I don't know if I agree on, is like, I think there's... I think when you take Julius out of the equation, there's a lot more primary reps to go around than people think. There is, but there is a difference. Burks and Rose fucking dicking around. There is, but there is a difference between if he's on the court there by himself with like RJ and Grimes or Burks, whatever the fuck, versus him being on the court with Brogdon or Brunson. Like no matter what we say, there's always. there's going like, to be a hierarchy. There, like, there's going to be a hierarchy, but it's, you can't you, you can't go on free agency. You cannot go on free agency. Go spend what? Let's say Brunson costs what four eighty million. Is that fair? I think I think there's a hierarchy, but you can still flip it if if you're if you're good enough, which I think quickly is. We saw that with RJ, right? Like there was a hierarchy, and he said, "I don't give a shit." Yeah, and but I think quick, quickly can do that. But like, I think we also, he will but do we, that. But we but we also saw how it played out with Randall with RJ, right? Where it yeah, was but, like. But RJ like, still got his touches. 
Yeah, but that's not the point. The problem is you're creating you're you're going to create a problem for yourself if you do this. Either you to me, you either if you want to go get another point guard, go give Tyus Jones the mid level exception. Go do that. Don't don't fucking go out there. You cannot go out there and go spend four eighty million on Jalen Brunson and be like, Well, if Quickly's good, he'll start anyway. That shit is rigged from the beginning. That shit is rigged from the beginning. You know they're not gonna start quickly in that scenario. That will never happen. It will never happen. Like, if you go spend that type of dough on a, a guy like on, it doesn't matter who you spend it on. You will pressure. There's pressure to play that play. No, he wouldn't start. I'm just saying, like, if if, if Tibbs is doing his job, which he might not. But I wouldn't Brunson, put that on Tibbs at that point, to be honest, either. Like, I would that's put fair. that that's on the front. My, my point is, like, if Jalen Brunson and Quickly are on the same team, one's going to start, assuming they don't rid the team of shooting guards, because we have a lot of them. Like, you're right. Quickly's going to back up Brunson. And, and that shit's whack to me. Like that's like Brunson's gonna play at least 30, 30, 30 to thirty two minutes a game if you pay him that contract at the point guard position. Like sure, that's quickly should quickly should play thirty minutes, thirty two minutes a game. Despite that, because he's better than Evan Fournier, he's better than Alec Burks, and you know he can play with Brunson. You can play them together in the if if we have Quentin Grimes on the lineup in the roster or Fournier or whoever, and. In crunch time, Tibbs plays Brunson and one of those guys at the two instead of Brunson and Quickly together. He's not playing the best lineups. And it's not a question of like, oh, is he, you know, he can only play one point guard because this motherfucker is the one who invented Quickly shooting guard playing with Derrick Rose. So we know he's down with that. And uh, like, I think one of the things that are appealing personally about Brunson and Brogdon is they've both proven they can play off ball really well. So I, I, I don't I really I think I think Brunson and Quick is way too small. Like I'm not like somebody that doesn't think you can play small, but Brunson to me with quickly that's Yeah, I, I I prefer Brogdon over Brunson for that reason, but I think when you're talking about how can I make the team as good as possible and also get quickly primary touches, you can do that and you can make the offense way better because you're getting a guy who can you're getting two guys from your backcourt who can bend the defense and we haven't had that and most teams do have that dirty dangles hat tricks and big wins as the action rolls on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl has your shot to win big two new customers can bet just one dollar on any team and get 150 dollars in free bets if they win that's right a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you still have a shot to light the lamp Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy con- Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details, which I'm going to read to you now, and I probably shouldn't have read that part. All right. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler, 1 800 426 2537. That's in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. You can call 1 800 Next Step in Arizona, 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit http ccpg.org slash chat 
Uh, that's in Connecticut. One eight hundred bets off Iowa one eight seven 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 zero stops, uh, and that or text seven eight seven eight six seven for LA. 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 New York. Visit opgr.org. That's in Oregon. Call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 for Virginia. Must be 21 plus or 18 and over in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See, see HTTP DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Like, fundamentally, like, I would agree with that if Tibbs wasn't our coach. But Tibbs is our coach. When has he ever shown that, like, he's capable of having an offense where two guys are sharing and the initiating reps and things are flowing so like that requires he did that with rj and quick at the end of the season it wasn't it doesn't flow like that it's like a take your turns thing like when like you're talking about these two guard offenses the team that you want to look at is like like toronto right like with fred van bleet and lowry when they were there those guys were like legit playing off each other that's like actually being a co-point guard type of thing like it's not just take your turns those guys are bending the defense swinging it we wouldn't know because we've never had more than like we had RJ. Quick. No, we had I'm Rosen saying quick and we never saw that though. I mean, no, because what, at I that point, think... no, we, the difference is Rosen. When we had Rosen Quick, only one of those guys could bend the defense. Rose Quick started doing that in the last two months. When we had Quick and RJ, it was the only time we've had two perimeter players in the last three years who could bend a defense, and RJ can't even bend a defense that well. So. It, the whole the whole reason those teams have good flow is because guys can penetrate and bend defenses. It's why the Jazz can run out fucking guards who suck. I mean that and go bare, but like, and they can play off of each other no matter what. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's the number one gun, but Clarkson can go in there with Mitchell. Clarkson can go in there with Conley. Conley can go in there with Mitchell. Conley can go in there with Clarkson. And you always have two guys who one on one can get by their man and into the paint at any time. And Sometimes it's the score more of his Clarkson. Sometimes it's the Bass more of his Conley. But like fundamentally, you can't. If you look at all those flowing, driving, kick type offenses, it's it's all about do do you have guys who can go one on one and blow by their man, and not not in that like slow motion way that RJ does. Well, RJ, I shouldn't I shouldn't hate on RJ like that. He's been getting some clean ass blow bys. He's just a hundred percent trying to like break the Knicks scoring record while he's doing it, and he's not worried about the passing yet. But that'll come. So, you know, we'll see. But, like, what I want, what I really want to see is just an offense that has multiple guys who can drive and kick. Because unless you have, like, a like a, a heliocentric big creator or something like that, that's the only way you're going to get to a top offense. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't disagree with that. I just think that we're being, not, like, not, uh, yeah, like, whatever, I'm, I'm calling you naive. Uh, <laughs> I think you're being naive if you think like we're going to trade for a Brunson or trade for or sign a fucking Jalen, sorry, sign a Jalen Brunson or trade for a Brogdon mm-hmm. and quick is actually going to get legit shots at like really developing and a lot of point guard reps. I just don't see it. Like I, I don't know. And, and not just that. And this is actually okay to me. This is okay for me because I, I've been open about this. It's not that I don't like Deuce McBride. 
I just haven't seen it. Like I just no no, no. He, he just yeah. he right yeah right now like I will be the first and we'll get into it later in the pod but like I will be the first to say the the penetration part of Deuce's game that has not been there yet. Part of that is Tip's fault. Part of that is his fault. And, yeah, and part, and part cool, of that's I hope like, it comes, but like it might take a while. That's how it yeah. goes. And 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 I'm just saying that like it's not, I wasn't even gonna go there with it, but I was saying like if you get one of those guys. It's over for Deuce in New York. I'm sorry. Like, he's just not going to play. Like, Deuce is, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that Deuce is going to be moved at some point anyway. Once once Quick got good, just because, like, as much as we would love to trade all these guards, like, the odds are we're not going to trade all these guards without at least another somewhat decent guard coming in. So it, it's just, you know, you want to talk about how many primary reps are available. I, I don't see I you, the way you articulated is really the only way, but I don't, you know, to talk about realism, like, like even if, because... even if they gave quick the keys and didn't sign one of those guys, I don't think the front office would be like, all right, we're going to go into this with backup plan. Deuce McBride, zero chance, zero chance. Yes. And I mean, the only not way because they would... don't believe in him, but just because they believe in Derrick Rose or Tyus Jones or and, fucking and that whoever. Would be, that would be okay with me. Like to me, if I'm the Knicks, I I'm either not doing anything at point, like I'm just going to try to dump Kemba somewhere, and that's it. And, and just going with Rose. Q and Rose, and and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm good with perfectly that. Perfectly happy. With and that. Deuce In fact, there. They'd be they'd be killer. Yeah, Deuce as your Rose injury guy, like yeah, that's fine. That's fine to me. I'm yeah. just like I'm just if you're going to do the the Brogdon thing or the Brunson thing, Rose has to go number one. Yeah. And two, we've got to be honest about what that means about quick. That means that they are telling you. They don't think he's a point guard. And to me, that's insulting after what we just seen from him this year. And it's insulting because he never really got the chance until literally we had so many injuries that he had to play point guard. And even then, this motherfucker Tibbs would not play him over, would not start him over Alec Brooks. So, like, to, for him to have the close to the season he had, develop the way he has, and, and then you're like, Tell it, you're basically telling him like thanks, but we need this mid ass Jalen Brunson here. Like, like good player, but Jalen Brunson is he's a guy. Like he's a guy. That's what he is. He's a solid point guard. He's not a fucking all star. He's never going to be an all star. There is no multiverse where Jalen Brunson becomes an all star. And Mal- Malcolm Brogdon, really good player. I think he did make an all star team once. That's never happening again because he just has like five thousand injuries. Like it's just not going to happen again. Which is actually why, if you're going to do one of these things, at least Brogdon will get injured and like quick and start then or something. But like, ultimately, what you were telling him is you don't think he's good enough because you want to be a playoff team next year. You don't think Quick is good enough to be a, a starting point guard on that team next year in his third year in the league, which is not exactly like like that. Uh, he served his time. He did his apprenticeships. He's ate shit. He's he's listened to orders from the coaches. You know, I just think that. It's a real. It would be. It's different if you're trading for like Shea Gilgis Alexander, right? Like that's obviously a different caliber of player. But like one of those guys, you know, or Tyus Jones or something. Like uh, I don't know, man. I would be if I were him. I would not be happy about it. I would be pretty pissed. Um, I guess we can just start with him though, out of the young guys, because we want to do little summer reading projects for the young guys, things they got to work on. Um, and you know, look, we can just talk about his year. We've just talked about how he played well, but not really the specifics of it. Um, 
Look, I, I mean, I've been pretty bullish on him all year. Like, even when he was shooting like shit, at, which was at various points, by the way. Like, it, it's kind of weird the way people are portraying his season as, like, he sucked entirely until the last... It just, it just shows you that, like, for all the progress we as a basketball society. fanatic community, <laughs> society, you know, have made... Motherfuckers still really rely on field goal percentage. Like, that's really... To me, maybe it's an oversimplification, but that shit... Like, we would talk about this in the DMs. Like, I, I would get so frustrated that Tibbs was missing. I mean, <laughs> Quick was missing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you'd be like, guess what his TS is? And I'd be like, I don't fucking know, man. And it'd be, like, tied with RJ or something. Not that RJ's was spectacular or anything, but... But that's why I think it it's that. so weird the way people talk about them, right? Where it was because, like, oh my god, Quickly was unplayable for a few months. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, because what? they literally... Because they literally... And this is what I was saying about Bondi. Like, he, people literally... They 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 see this very they their skewed kaleidoscopic view of these things. This is I'm I'm gonna articulate what Bondi sees right now. All right, he sees thirty something percent, and he associates that with a player who fucking blows, someone who can't, who's not a playable offensive player, and then he sees somebody who's six foot three and skinny and not jumping like John Morant, and he's like, this guy, and, and who's not like up in your fucking ball sack like Pat Beverly. And he's he like, this guy does is... that though sometimes. Yeah, but not, not, I mean, he's, yeah, sometimes he can do it, but not like even, I would say Grimes does that more than quickly, but that's more that's about Grimes just being a lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't, for the most part, Quick's defense isn't the, the very visible. He doesn't get a thousand steals. He's not, he's not cook. He's not like Shump cooking D Wade in that one game back in the day. The old heads know about that. Like it's not, it's not that kind of shit. And you just assume that oh, well, of course he's not good at defense. He's six foot three, twenty fifth pick, who is skinny. And why would he? Why would he not? Why would he? Why would he? Why would he be good at defense? Are you kidding me? And he, plus the Knicks suck. So why would he be good at defense? That's literally how Bondi and many other people think. It never comes into their mind. Help rotations. Uh, but verticality, you know been, but all you know that what's shit. Weird to me about that, like one of quickly, I've I've went back and read his like pre-draft scouting reports. Almost all of them make mention that he's a good team defender. Like almost all defender. these motherfuckers out of Kentucky are right. good team defenders. And that, and Even bumass like Tyler Harrow is a pretty solid team defender. He just but, asks what I want. Like yeah, but like it's just weird to me because the way people have described quickly since he's been in the NBA, it's almost like they describe him as like this total like a liability that's just getting by with it or something. Yeah, um, they talk about him as as what you associate an undersized 25th pick. I'm telling you, there were like we're 3 years in and a large amount of people are working off of player archetypes that they don't know that they're so doing that. Here's It's crazy. It's so, so frustrating. Of, of the guards like what what do you think an average efficiency starting point guard would do for the Knicks next year? Um, you mean like, isn't Quick like right at average TS? Or oh, something? is he? That's so amazing. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah, like <laughs> shitty Emmanuel Quickly who just needs That's to shoot That's what's so funny to me. Field. He literally, the average true shooting percentage for literally a starting point guard, for all point guards in the NBA is 54.4. Emmanuel Quickly's average, his true shooting percentage <laughs> for the season was fifty four point two. Like, 
and I promise you, and I agree with this. Like, like yes, he has to better. It's going to be above that next year. Yeah, and yes, I would he, bet all the fucking. Yeah. I don't he, bet, but you he know has the vibes. to look. He has to take better shots. He's, he's started improve. taking better shots. Yeah, he's got to improve more inside the arc. He's got to take better shot selection for three. He's got to have less possessions where he's dribbling around like a maniac, all herky jerky with no idea. Like all these things are true, but like you're like we're so focused on like the shit that he needs to work on or refine or like all this stuff that people are have, like really missed i think what we saw from over the course of the year which is to me a player who adapted twice and adapted in very interesting ways like i yeah, think he had he several came, seasons within his season yeah like i think he came in this season he was expecting to get point guard reps that didn't happen and I think he had to recalibrate from like what he was doing in summer league and probably what he was preparing to do all off season. And he had to go back to being, you know, combo guard quick. And he did that. And he was really starting to, to, to ball out when Rose got hurt again. And then Rose got hurt and Kemba turned into a pumpkin. And now quickly he's got to go back to being, he's got, he's got to go and be a point guard now. And he actually had a, re- a couple of really good games early in January running back up point, And then he just went into a funk. And that happens. Like, he had a crisis of confidence. Whatever the fuck it is, he dealt with some shit, and he came out the other end. The last 24 games of the season were great. The last 24 games of the season, which is, by the way, that's like what? That's about... A lot. It's about that's a third. Like, that's like a 25... That's like probably 30% of the schedule. Uh, he mind you, mind you, mind you, of course, during the crisis of confidence, he was still passing and defending. Yeah, yeah, of course. But his passing took it up another notch, for sure, to close the season. Um, yeah, yeah. The last 24 games of the season... He averaged 16 points, five re- five rebounds, five assists in 27 minutes a night. You do the per 36 math. I'm not going to do it. It's something like fucking 21, 22, 7, and 7. On, and, and 61 true shooting, by the way, over that time period. Like, that is literally a starting point guard. And that's, that's not just a very us. good starting yeah, point that's guard. A, <laughs> it's like a borderline all-star starting point guard. And Quick is also giving you plus defense. Yeah. Not all-world defense. Not like... You know, he's not like an all-NBA defender, but he's a damn good defender. It's literally a point guard on the level with the other guys we were talking about who are, like, very good, maybe not all-stars, but probably have an impact similar to some all-stars, even if they don't actually make the all-star game. Yeah, it, it's just, it's just to me, like, that's basically... It's, it's also really funny because the people that, like, are, like, quick is so inconsistent. He can't have these months where he shoots like shit. He shoots under 40% from the field. I'm going to read off some of these numbers, okay? And I want to <laughs> tell you, I want you to tell me who do you think it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is... This motherfucker Schwinn came with the, the pop quiz prepared for this segment. <laughs> this is... this is. I don't know a, what we're going to talk about on this pod. Let's just wig it <laughs> this as is he a, unfurls his scroll. <laughs> this is a starting point guard in the NBA, okay? Age 26. He's he made an All Star team, not in this season, but he has been an All Star in the NBA. Okay, this is an age twenty six season. Thirty eight point nine percent from the field, thirty six point six from three, forty eight point nine EFG. In thirty six and a half minutes, he was nineteen point six points, six point three assists, four point two rebounds. Say the slash line again. I mean, not the slash line. The uh, the stats you just said. The points, rebounds, nineteen point nineteen point six uh, points, six point three assists. 4.2 rebounds, 1.7 steals. Just uh, just to give him a little bump there, because that is a nice number. Uh, that's in 36 and a half minutes. And that was 53.4 true shooting. 
Tell me who that player is. Is it Fred Van Fleet? It is Fred Van Vliet. Ah, I'm so good at this fucking game. We who didn't made, coordinate that, fuck people. <laughs> who made an all-star team the following season. You know what gave it away? Nick, you know what it gave away? Only fucking Nick Nurse plays someone 36 and a half minutes, aside from Tibbs. So. <laughs> this, is, this is what he did this year. All-star season, okay, by the way. Fred Van Vliet, all-star season. 38 minutes a night. For, a, a robust 40.3% from the field. 37.7 from three. 51.3 EFG, 87.5 from the line, 20.3 points, 6.7 assists, 4.4 rebounds. All-star. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I think he deserved to be an all-star. I he's he was super legit. Year. A lot yeah. of people had him on their uh, all-defense ballots, too. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, and he was 55 true shooting this year. This is an all-star point guard. So, like... These people that want, like, oh, quickly doesn't shoot well enough. He can't be a point guard. He doesn't pass well enough. Blah, blah, blah. Like, what are we talking about here? What do you mean he doesn't pass well enough? Like, what What the fuck do you think? All he had a 25 are- assist percentage and an 11 turnover percentage. And that's the whole season, not, not just this last 25 games. That's an exceptional number. And that assist percentage would tick up. If he didn't spend a lot of that season uh, off ball, that, and, and look, like, off we can ball also, on the same and, team as Randall, blah 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 blah, and, and we can we can also say some of that is his development. Like he had to step up into that role, and yeah, it's hard to make a lot hard. of dimes yeah. if you're if you're not shooting, <laughs> yeah, not, and not not shooting, and and also you're in your own head, like trying to figure out oh, what yeah. your right read oh, is yeah. and all that kind of shit. Um, and but like we, here's the we, we saw we saw it, yeah, early on, quick, like oh, like the pump fakes and blah blah blah. Quickly, quickly, at age twenty two. 24 and a half assist percentage. Fred Van Vliet, career high assist percentage is what? I have no 27.7. His career average is 25 and a half. What, like, is, his, what is his this year? 25, 20, 26.7. He averaged 8.8 assists per 100 possessions. Quickly for this season was 7.6 per 100 possessions assists. So, and I promise you, if you look at that stretch, that yeah. t- last 24, 25 games, that number is ridiculous. Like, I bet you it's like, it's probably above nine for sure. I would, I would almost be positive. About Which that. number? The assist per 100 possessions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Fred, Fred, so, Fred so, is a good passer, but he's. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, all, all, like, all, I just think, like, the entire conversation around him has been so stupid this entire year. And I've, like, and, and nobody can tell me. I'm only saying this because he closed the season well, because I have literally been saying this the entire <laughs> fucking year that the conversation around him is extremely stupid. Because even when this motherfucker shoots like shit and he's shooting like crap and Prez wants to murder him and he's ready to trade him for a fucking Trey Man and he's sending me annoying Trey Man clips. Um, Check like, out the eighth Trey Man step back. He's now up to 15 0 and 0 for the game. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like. Like even through all of this stuff, he's always been a net positive player, and it's like that's just to me like I'm telling is, you, that's these motherfuckers what, don't care about that shit, bro. It's the yeah, fucking worst. But I don't care if they don't care about it. But like the fact that that this team yeah, has coaches hilarious. that a coach that like the most annoying thing is Tibbs will be like <laughs> you can, you can shoot, you don't need to shoot well to play well. But then he like never applies that to anybody other than like Alec fucking Burks or Julius Randle. Like who? Are, who? By the way, Burks. That actually kind of makes sense too. Sometimes that never makes sense for Julius. It is like there's like once every 15 games where Julius shoots like shit. 
where he still plays well. But, like, very rarely is that the case. Quickly is, like, I cannot actually think, and it's actually funny, as the season has gone along, there really is so much Van Vliet to his game. Like, Yo, I keep thinking about it. I keep, the, ever since you brought it up, like, I don't know how I, they're different in the sense that, like, Van Vliet is even smaller than Quickly, obviously, and he's Van Vliet's, like, way more jacked. Yeah, he's, like, a jacked deflection god, and Quickly's more <laughs> of your, like, that's another thing, like, Quick, like, Fred Van Vliet's good defense is the kind that you notice. Both oh the good god. and the Garland. bad. Oh my god! Sorry. I'm not watching. What happened? Yeah, I think he just did. A, he totally burned Katie on a hezzy and then made a nice floater over. Is the score Clarkson. close? What's up? Is the score close? It's 88-82 now. Oh shit! Let's fucking go. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wall and drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.